0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from Isaiah seven ten through 16. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, It is too little for you to weary mortals, that you weary my God also. Let me say that again. That was supposed to be a question. Is it too little for you to to weary mortals, that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child, and shall bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and good and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted.
1: We have been in the season of Advent, the season of waiting, uh, walking through a text from the book of Isaiah. The prophet who inspired such hope in a discouraged people, uh, who helped people imagine uh, a, a future time of peace and of justice. And in the midst of that, we've had some really beautiful symbols. We've had uh, our weapons being uh, repurposed into gardening tools. We've had the desert uh, being watered and, and God's homecoming of people from exile uh, celebrating on their way home. And we might be in the season of of wondering whether we actually have faith in that. Like, do we actually believe in that? Do we actually trust in that? And so we have a text today that invites us into that moment. Do I actually believe in the sign that God gives? And so, like we've been doing, I think it's helpful to understand where we're at in the book of Isaiah, what's going on, so we can really understand the characters and the story. And we are in the 700s B.C. We're a long time ago. And you have to know something a little political about that moment. Uh, the, The nation had split. So Judah in the south was its own kingdom, with Jerusalem as its capital. And in the north, you'd have the kingdom of Israel. Well, in this time, King Ahaz is the king of Judah, and he learns that the nation of Israel and another nation to the north, Aram, have decided to attack Judah that's not good news. Anytime you learn anyone wants to attack you, but your northern siblings are coming down to fight you. And he's scared because there's two on one, and he's afraid. He thinks they're going to lose. And he's concerned about this. And from Isaiah's point of view, King Ahaz is going to go on a very not-so-smart path. Uh, Ahaz is being tempted to, to go to a bigger enemy and try to make an alliance to deal with your small problem, uh, which, from Isaiah's point of view, is inviting an even bigger problem to come your way. So Ahaz is deciding, do I wanna go get Assyria to be my friend against Israel and against Aram? And so he's contemplating this in the story uh, when Isaiah goes to meet him with a message, and it matters where this message happens, before our text happened, Isaiah is is meeting King Ahaz at the upper pool. He's at the water reservoir. He's looking at, do we have enough resources to survive a siege? If our enemies come against us, what's our water level like? How long could we last if we were to go into war? And he's processing all of this to try to make a decision, what do we do as a kingdom? And so Isaiah shows up, And the first thing that the Lord tells Isaiah to tell Ahaz is do not fear. We've had a lot of that discussion uh, about fear and our own kind of trust. But he says, do not fear. Do not let your heart be faint because of these two kingdoms. Easier said than done, right? Uh, Don't worry about these kingdoms that are plotting against you. Don't fear. Trust God. And Isaiah says, the Lord wants you to do something. Ask him for a sign says, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. And their kind of cosmology, uh, kind of the realm of the dead and the Sheol underneath you and heaven on high with God up above. No matter how high or low, ask any sign because God wants you to trust him. And so that's Isaiah's invitation. And uh, King Ahaz knows better, of course. He says, wait, no. I'm not going to ask. I'm not supposed to put the Lord to the test. You might remember that kind of language because Jesus says that in the wilderness in, one of, in a couple of our gospel stories of don't put the Lord to the test. So it's kind of a faithful answer, but it's also not because God's saying, no, I want to give you a sign. No, no, no. No sign. And Isaiah is like, you are so exhausting. <laughs> and remember, he's talking to the king. Uh, you are exhausting. Um, You know, have you ever tried to help somebody, and they just don't seem to want the help? Like, you know it's going to make a difference, and they just make it so much more difficult. Which is, I think, parenting life. Of So much of our our current day is, you could really use this medicine. It'll make you feel better. Please take the medicine. Please eat the food. You're going to be hungry later. Eat something. You're going to need that coat. Please put the coat on. And Isaiah is going to Ahaz saying, God wants you to trust him. God knows you're not quite trusting him right now. Ask a sign. God says, pick anything. I will show you that I'm going to be faithful. And Ahaz, no, no, no. Don't put me to the test. I'm not playing this game. And so Isaiah is like, okay, fine. You know, is it enough that you weary humans, mortals, you weary all your friends, all your family. You're going to weary God also? Come on. Uh, and I love that he's like, you're exhausting me. Uh, you're trying to exhaust an inexhaustible God. We don't have time to play this game. The armies are forming. You're making plans. we got to move on. And so Isaiah says, okay, God says, I will give you a sign. I'm not going to ask you anymore to determine what sign you want. Here's the sign you're going to get. And so we get Isaiah's sign. And we're going to talk about the sign from a few angles. But first, uh, we're going to look at this that we read from in this text today. Isaiah seems to point in the room. It's like, hey, see that young woman over there? Um, she's with child. And I think from Isaiah's reading, and we're going to get to some other versions of this that I think are going to, are going to tweak this. But I think Isaiah is saying, you can see this woman over there, right? She's with child. Well, let me tell you something. She's going to have a son. And that's kind of the prediction thing here. Is she's going to have a son. And that might not seem like a huge prediction because you got a 50/50 chance, right? And anyone who has told people they're expecting a child has had to deal with this game where everyone decides they're an expert on guessing. Is it a boy or a girl? And as a parent, you have to keep saying, well, maybe, I don't know. And in the ancient world, you didn't have any sort of tests to be able to find that answer out. So you had to go the whole nine months. It wasn't a choice to do it. Uh, And so in today's world, you don't have to go through that period of people guessing as long. But here is Isaiah in the room saying, hey, this woman's gonna have a child and it's gonna be a son, and she will name him Emmanuel. So you get the idea of a mother naming her child saying God is with us. So you see that that woman is saying God's presence is with us in this child. And people who, uh, when you, if you've held your own child, you've had that kind of feeling probably. Of, I don't know how this happened. God is with me. God has done this. And so he's saying, hey, look at that young woman. She's about to have a son, and she will call him Emmanuel. And by the time that that son... Can eat uh, by the time that he can make moral decisions. He can know right from wrong. By that time, he's going to have some amazing meal times. He's going to be eating, eating these curds and honey. Whatever that uh, that image conveys to you, imagine whatever the delicacies of of eating is for you. Of in this holiday season of of those cookies and the cake or ice cream or whatever that treat is, he's going to be eating that. And remember, if you're standing at a pool wondering if I have enough water to survive, the idea that I'm about to have feasts in my future, that by the time this kid is able to reason and be able to make decisions, he won't have known this fear and the scarcity that you're feeling. The only world he knows is one of honey, of sweetness, of plenty. And that's where that message of hope is, is you're afraid in this moment And it's not going to be very long. There's in a few years' time, this kid is going to be living in the abundance that you could only imagine and hope for in this moment. And so that is meant to help strengthen King Ahaz. Don't fear. Don't go down this other reckless path. Trust God. Wait this out. God will take care of it. And... That alone is a meaningful story. But there's actually a few more versions of this exact story that I think add more and more layers of beautiful meaning for us. And so I'm going to take us to two more spots. So here's the Hebrew text, the Old Testament written in Hebrew by, uh, you know, a long, long time ago. Written in Hebrew, Isaiah 7. Now, if you go forward in time... Eventually, everyone knows kind of Alexander the Great, Greeks conquer the world, the world that they knew. And so all of the Middle East starts speaking Greek. And so in the 300s, you have Jewish people who don't understand Hebrew anymore. They don't know how to read it. And so they start translating their Bible into Greek. And it's called the Septuagint, which is kind of just a word that means 70, and, like, and it's this tradition that... Um, which I always love these kinds of traditions. But if we think God inspired the writing of this original text, they're translating it into Greek, and the tradition is that 70 people went and translated the whole Old Testament by themselves in their own rooms, and they came out, and wouldn't you know it perfectly matches? That all of these word choices and stuff all blend together perfectly. And so they start wanting to be able to read this text in Greek, and that's going to be important if you imagine ahead Later, when Christians are emerging in the first century and they don't speak Hebrew and it's these Greek-speaking people all over, that's the Bible they knew because they're not going to go on a path to try to learn Hebrew to start reading the Hebrew version. So, so that, this Septuagint text was really important to the church because it's the way a lot of Christians encountered the Old Testament. And I want to pause us here into this moment before we get into the gospel, quoting this passage in the story. So the Isaiah of the Greek version of this story makes some interpretive decisions that alters what's happening in this scene. If you remember, Isaiah points at the young woman and says, she will name him Emmanuel. Well, in the Greek, Isaiah points and says, this virgin, he's really up to the ante here, right? She's not even pregnant, nor should she be. She's a virgin, and yet she's going to have a child, and it's going to be a son. And you can already see this is a bigger sign. We've expanded. It's a grander sign. And instead of saying, she will name him Emmanuel, he says, you, singular, to the king. You will call his name Emmanuel because you will realize God is with us. So instead of it just being a name, the king is understanding the sign, And he's seeing that this this child proves the point. God is with us. I can trust God uh, and and I'll act faithfully. And that's a beautiful new version of the same story uh, of this hope uh, for Ahaz and his own realization of the sign. And then we get the fun of the Gospel of Matthew telling this story again for us. So we had the Hebrew version, we had this Greek telling of it, and now Matthew picks it up, because he's like, I'm talking about Jesus' birth. Something in that Isaiah text is speaking to me here. And so Isaiah maintains that Greek language of the virgin shall have a child, and it will be a son. And I love in that story, this all comes up because an angel has to come to Joseph and say, do not fear. They have to say that a lot. Do not fear that you're the one you're engaged to is pregnant. There's a lot of fear in that moment. Let me, let me tell you, that this, this child is born by the Holy Spirit, and, and you'll call him Jesus, which Jesus is our Greek way of saying Joshua, which means God saves, and he will save his people. And then Matthew says something about Isaiah here. Here's how he says it. He says, all this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And then he quotes the prophet in his way. He says, Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel. So the virgin language is still important. But he changed a little pronoun, which might not seem like a big deal. It went from she, the mother, will name him Emmanuel, to hey you, Ahaz. You're going to realize God is with us. And by the time it gets to Matthew, he tells it, they will call him Emmanuel. That all people, that all that follow Christ, that that the world will look at Jesus and say, God is with us. Which is this beautiful, like concentric circles of expanding this sign and this imagery in new ways, all to give hope and to strengthen those who are fearful, that God can be trusted that God will save you from whatever your, whoever your enemies are, whatever your enemy is. And it's a beautiful image. And I think we are all invited by Matthew into the story, because now we get to be King Ahaz. When he says they will call him Emmanuel, like we're all in this scene now. And so God invites us uh, to trust that there is salvation, that there is hope that you're going to be delivered for Ahaz, that's delivered from enemies, from, from soldiers and war, but maybe that delivery for you is from emptiness of life, like that life has no purpose apart from God, but, but maybe salvation looks like God has given you meaning. Maybe, maybe it's from brokenness, and it's God is providing healing. Maybe it's isolation, that you are alone, and it's the reminder that God is with us. And so we are invited into that hope, into that salvation, and we are invited also to join with the chorus singing, God is with us, to to not just hear the message, but to share it ourselves, to articulate it ourselves, to be like Isaiah, to even go to the powerful and say, trust God, God is good, God will save us. And... And maybe in your life, you might find yourself around a lot of Ahazes, a lot of people doubting, a lot of people fearful. And so you are called into a ministry like Isaiah to go share the good news that God is with us. And that can be scary, especially if they're a king, if they're a, if they're a powerful person. Uh, but we are invited to share that message. And we are also invited not to be afraid, but to live faithfully. You know, Ahaz was going on a path of recklessness, of inviting a bigger enemy into the situation. But we also do that ourselves. We also, uh, when times get tough, take a path that maybe isn't the right path. Uh, But God invites us to be faithful and to trust and to live out our calling uh, with him. And so I hope that you know that even if sometimes we are exhausting to people around us, Sometimes we ourselves are exhausting to our family or to our friends. We can never exhaust the inexhaustible God. Even when we push back and fight, sometimes God just on God's own gives a sign. And that's that that thing that we uh, hope for and long for in this Christmas season, that God gave God's sign, whether we wanted a sign or not, and that a baby will be born, and we will celebrate that salvation is here, and that peace will reign. So that's the season that we are in, and I hope that you all feel encouraged in the midst of whatever might be the darkest, coldest times of the year. You might be by the pool checking your water levels, but trust God in this season. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, you know where each of us in this space is on our journey. You know where our hearts are not trusting, where we are not faithful. Lord, you know where we keep checking the water levels. Lord, I ask that you would encourage each of us in this space and that we might trust in you, that you might transform where we're at, that you might transform our lives, you might transform us, and you might transform the world around us. Lord, we thank you that you have spoken uh, through so many people, so many people who have gone before us Uh, who have shared your story. Lord, we ask you um, to help us to be a part of that story, to be a part of sharing it with those around us. And Lord, when we get frustrated by those in our lives, Lord, give us strength uh, and courage to be able to share your message uh, with everyone. Lord, it's in your name that I pray. Amen.